see ya. Bye-bye. Did you know you could give me a rating? That would be so sick. So if you could go to like Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to it and give me like a five star or like a 10 bags of popcorn, that would be cool. And guess what? It's It takes like two seconds. So it's, it's really kind of cool and easy. But if you don't want to, that's okay. Because guess what? Here is the episode. Hey, everyone. This is a podcast. And this is totally the first time that I'm saying this. And I'm here with... Christian Hell from Hong Kong. Fucking fuck you. <laughs> sick well (laughs) i like i like um anyways so as i was saying um that you guys like first of all like i i said like you guys are fucking sick and like i i I love that like that you have three bases when i first saw like videos of it i was like what the fuck like that's crazy because like i love like your guys's recorded sound is like insane so like i was wondering how you got it and then when i fucking saw the live video i was like what the fuck so again how like what made you do that because like yeah what made you do that well you know from the get-go um when i was first hearing all those bands that had innovated bass and drum power violence in my opinion it it, uh didn't really do it justice okay because i've seen bands like family vacation live and they just have two bassists and it was absolutely fucking bonkers yeah and then water torture amazing live in the studio it's not the same experience you don't really doesn't you know it's just uh, it doesn't hit as hard as live and then of course me playing with my band um uh, when i first started hong kong fuck you when we were rehearsing it was just so overwhelming the presence of two bassists in a room yeah. but um it wasn't it just wasn't doing the justice in the studio so um the first time we put out our recording uh which was our first ep another fucking name paradise the the, produ- the producer, he suggested that we had another bass in the middle. And I was like, oh, that's like a really great idea. So we always recorded like that. So live, I just kind of left the void in my heart. And I was like, man, we got we to gotta get a third bassist. And we eventually did. So, Dude, that's sick. Like, And uh, and also, like, you were talking about recording. So when, when like, I also, uh-huh. I, I love that, like, he, the, rec- the engineer was like, yo, you should get a third person. Like, that's crazy like because like usually you like you it's it's pretty rare just to have two bases alone but like to for someone also to suggest like yo get another level of bass like that's fucking sick like um yeah uh-huh um but like what i was gonna say so when you guys record do you guys record like live together or do you guys track it or like whatever like how do you do it in the past it was they were dubbed you know they're tracked um individually but in the last four or five releases that we've done, including the singles, that's just been me just dubbing by myself. So I, I did all three bassists and the drums and most of the vocals. Uh, Eric did some of the vocals. Oh, damn, dude. That's ridiculous. Dude, that's sick. Like, so, so mm-hmm. then, like you were, like you were saying before, like, like this is your brainchild. So like, like you so you started this basically almost by yourself like you were just like that that's the idea that you had and you were just like oh i'm just gonna go off of that well i can't say that uh literally just some kid and tj was like you want to play fast and i was like fuck it you know i haven't been in a band in a while <laughs> I and I, I was uh just busy um just doing art full-time which and uh volunteering at a soup kitchen here in mexico oh cool that uh 
I hadn't been doing music. Plus, I didn't have a drum set and all that. But he's like, I have everything. Like, just pull up. So I did. And uh, But right off the bat, I think I was fresh from my um, hitchhiking days, which wasn't a long time. It was just like a six-month little phase. Okay. And it ended at this venue called, well, it's a house show spot called Bloodshed which was uh, one of the drummers, like the current like drummer of Poison Idea at that time in 2016, I think that was. Okay. And like I said, it was called, he had a spot called The Bloodshed. And um, after hearing nothing but fucking banjos in the Redwoods because I was trimming weed <laughs> for like six months, I hear like a caveman like, oh, come out of the basement. I'm like, no way. So I go down there and I look and there's this, band called family vacation i saw they had two bases and i was like holy shit i you know being a big fan of man is bastard and water torture i was like holy shit it's about to be rad and of course it was amazing and that was my first time like really hearing bands like that a two bass band live yeah and it totally was just like okay it confirms that i should indeed do this so getting back to the point where my friend said we're gonna play it Let's play fast, and it was just a bassist, and I was like, well, let's get a second bassist. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just it just kind of carried on from there. Dude, that's that's so sick. Like, and, like, so hold on, hold on. You were you were just saying, like, you, you had, like, six months of, like, uh, hitchhiking days? What do you mean exactly? Like, you were just hitchhiking around, like, like the country or something like that? Ah, uh, just the West Coast. I, I mean, it is from Mexico to, what was it, Portland? Yeah. Holy shit. No way. Yeah, I mean, it was like one ride all the way to the Redwoods. And then from there, it was just more hitchhiking. And then ended up with this hippie, crusty, hybrid, uh, awesome person <laughs> from Tennessee. <laughs> and uh, I was traveling with them for a little bit and then ended up in all the quits. <laughs> Damn, dude, that's crazy. Like, so was that experience like really fun? What, like, what, like, what made you want to do that? Just like to get like a job up there or like, yeah, what pushed you to do that? Yeah, a bunch of oogles. They're like, yeah, we trim weed. That's what we do. We trim weed. And then we go, we go like fish canning in Alaska. And then some of them would go do like strawberry picking in uh, Switzerland, I believe. And some would go harvest like some kind of really expensive mushroom in Canada that, you know, just a culinary mushroom. Uh, I mean, it was like a big seller in the culinary arts world in general. Uh, but uh, basically, what I'm getting at is they all work seasonal jobs, and they bounce from each one. And they're, and they're like, that's good money. And so I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll go trim weed and make a quick 10K. But that was <laughs> not the case at all. That was not the case at all. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible experiment. It really humbled me, though, because I used to just think I was the absolute shit. Everyone went, I was like, yeah. And then I go there, and I'm just at the bottom Oh, the totem pole there. Because uh, well, they called me a trimigrant. That's what the locals called me. Oh, yeah. Because they hate weed trimmers. And I got, like, those ticks out there would, like, shoot at us with, like, paintball guns when they'd see us in public. I never got hit, but it was just kind of like, wow, this is really some, like, big town, woods-ass, mountain town, like, uh, stereotypes that you yeah. see in films when there's, like, a... When there's like a you know like a new guy in town, but instead of a new guy, it's just like a whole horde of immigrants from all over the world that would gather around, sticking their thumbs out and sticking out the finger. I'm sorry, uh, like the you know like a peace sign, like implying um, scissors. You know, they would just walk around doing that to signify that they're out for hire. 
because you know b- before marijuana was recreationalized in California, you know the business was a lot more booming. So basically, just a lot of uh, guys just um, working, I guess, against the man and uh, in secret with weed farms. We're hiring people to trim their weed and to help grow. Damn, dude, that's crazy. Dude, that's so that's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it, was, it used to be a big thing, but now after, like I said, it's been recreationalized. That business has died down. It's not, you know, there's still trimmers out there, but uh, most of the the growers and the people that have those ranches are working. You know, they have a deal with the dispensary, so it's technically legal for the most part. So, been a total game changer since then. It's not what it used to be. But either way, I didn't make my 10K, like I was saying. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I made dick for money because my boss was addicted to cocaine and hookers. Not even kidding. So <laughs> some days I want to really? get paid. <laughs> yeah, some days I want to get paid and the fool's hungover, doing lines. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll pay you another day. What? So I'll just continue hanging out on this fucking ranch. Really interesting, dude, dude. Very interesting. That yeah, just just learned a lot. Yeah, dude. I bet. I mean, just saying the line like he was addicted to like cocaine and hookers. Like that's just like the thing that you hear in like any movie. Like it's just like wait a minute. Like what? <laughs> I want to hear the line that he said to me because I was out standing in, a, in the redwoods. Yeah, know, like like in the parking lot, like literally redwoods. And he looks over because I'm with my friend, uh, who's a girl, and um, my other buddy, and we're looking for jobs. And he sees the girl, so he goes, "You guys like booger sugar?" And then I just hear this fat sniff, and I was like, "Yeah, I like cocaine." So I walked over and I did some cocaine, and then we all talked, and then we got jobs. So, <laughs> dude, no way. <laughs> yeah, that's the name of the game. <laughs> that's amazing. Or at least it was. <laughs> at least it was. Really interesting characters. So the girl I was in the car with him, her yeah. name was Rose. She said her father's name. I just know it was like Maddox. Uh, and he owned this spot that they called Hippie Hill in Tennessee. And she always talked about it, like, oh, my dad, I'm like the princess of hippies in Tennessee. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I don't know who you are. But apparently it's a big deal over there. And he has like this huge, like almost like property that's practically like a commune. And he, like, kind of exploits young crusties and punks in general by, like, having them all, making sure that they all get EBT and using <laughs> that to contribute to this <laughs> no this <way>. commune. <laughs> and it's also, like, a venue. And uh, I don't know. There's all, I mean, obviously, there's drugs involved, too. But it's like, supposed to be, like, some really big, legendary venue over there that's literally, like, a giant Tennessee backyard, I guess. But, uh... Yeah, that was Rose. That was his, not his partner partner, but, you know, like one of his highest paid workers, I guess. So, you know, it's like work partner. And they're just like one of their levels of like racist is kind of hilarious. Uh, so they train their dogs to go to the backseat by saying Rosa Parks, you know, just little things like. Wow, that, you know? damn. They would drop. They would casually drop a hard R. I don't think they were like genuinely racist, but, you know, just like just stupid hick. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, no idea how it'd be like here in the West Coast, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, cocaine and hookers. But it was also like some (laughs) of the funnest times I had, even though he was a shitty boss, he was a really cool friend. So. Dude, that, that's sick. Okay. Okay. With, with just with that, do you still, have you ever like kept in contact with him after that? I did. He ripped. 
you know, just by happenstance, he met one of my friends from an entirely separate world, and they started dating. And uh, he got her pregnant, and then she said, hey, I need an abortion, and then he just disappeared. So, yeah, that's the last I heard. <laughs> dude, what the fuck? Dude, what? Dude, this just sounds... <laughs> It just sounds like it a sounds movie. absurd. <laughs> it does. Uh, his name is Ted Balliot. I don't. Get, I mean, he's a nobody, so he's never. It doesn't matter. And uh, <laughs> he was so proud at, at, from his town because he was from Ohio. I think he was called like the Handsome Bandit or something like that. Or because he there's a video of him on the news where he broke into a church and I think he like <laughs> took time to like hang out in there and cook and then get out and um. <laughs> And they caught the whole thing on footage. So when they turned him in, and, uh, the church it was cool, and you know they made him work for them for a little bit to pay off the volunteer. But he was like so proud of that, and you can like find that on the news. I think just Ted Balliet. That's T E D, and then B A L L I E T. Yeah. Um, Rob's church, church burglary, <laughs> and you'll put a face to this cocaine and hooker addictive man. Um, yeah. Dude. really funny guy you know on that when i was living on that ranch um it was literally just me in a zero degree sleeping bag like in the buck <laughs> middle of like nature with like a24 panoramic like scenery <laughs> really beautiful the most beautiful shit I've ever taken in my life was in the outhouse there but anywho uh <laughs> he lived with what he called his gunkles which were two gay old men that just found him on the streets um in that area which was called I think Redding. Oh, okay. Um, Redway. Redway is what it's called, I believe. Um, but there are specific ranches in the area called Bryceland, which you can look up. And uh, so they took him in and he convinced him, hey, you know, while I'm here, I can start a weed business because that's what everyone in that whole county does. Yeah. So, because they all have like ranches, they're very private, you know, it's like you don't just walk on someone's ranch without getting shot and it's perfectly legal. Um, and you, they can get rid of your body easily. There's so many missing persons uh, ads on billboards all over. Like, billboards, like, corkboards is what I mean. Like, all over the redwoods. Damn. Um, but anywho, uh, he lived with his gunkles. And uh, every morning, they would yell at him to wake up because we'll like to sleep in, you know, after a night of cocaine and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> and it was too, and that's when I learned that ravens can talk. Yeah, ravens are, like, these huge blackbirds that look like crows, just yeah, way yeah. bigger, a little bit bushier. And they're so large when I'd hear him fly, it sounded like a tiny helicopter. It was, like a, it was kind of crazy. But every morning, like, this guy was such a loser. I love him, but he was such a loser <laughs> that even the ravens would say, wake up, Ted, because they would hear his uncle say that every morning. So you just hear ravens go, wake up, Ted, in the morning. Like, dude, you're such a loser. Even the ravens are telling your ass to wake up. That's so fucking hilarious. Ridiculous. Dude. It was a very interesting time. But it ended with me discovering a two-bass band at the very end of the road. And that's, you know, let to, let to Hong Kong fuck you. That's ridiculous, dude. Like, I, okay, so, like, but okay, well, knowing that, like, that's where, like, Hong Kong started, like, well, then, like, taking, like, going back, like, when did you, like, start, like, what made you get into music or did someone like show you something like, like basically at the beginning was like, yo, like this is a band or like, like what got you into music? Oh, one second. I need to blow my nose. Yeah. 
All right. So you're basically asking me what? Can you repeat that? I'm so sorry. No, no, don't even worry. You know, <laughs> the <I> know. congestion. <laughs> it's all good, dude. No, I was gonna yeah. say like, like, was there someone that got you into music, or did you find music like naturally on your own, like to like, like just in music, music in general? I got really lucky. Um, I grew up in a Christian household. Okay. Uh, with no internet, so all I had was this, you know, radio, just regular radio in San Diego, is where I grew up. Oh, okay. Uh, my brother had decent taste in music, mostly radio stuff that you would hear on the radio. So uh, I remember discovering his Rage Against the Machine CD, and that was like immediately life changing for me. And I started getting into heavier stuff because prior to that, I was just listening to like boom bap, hip hop, a lot of breakbeat because I was breakdancing. Nice. And um, that was pretty much it. I don't think. I think I got over my Space Jam cassette phase by that point. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was just those things. And, um, yeah, uh, there's this, like I said, I had no internet access and I couldn't go out because I was chronically on probation from ages 11 to, like, 17. Oh, damn. So there's this radio show that I randomly stumbled upon called Another State of Mind that would play in San Diego. And they would play, like, brutal death metal... It's heavy. Anything is heavy from like just old school thrash to brutal like death metal, um, to straight up gore metal. I just all that you know. It covered that wide variety of subgenres. They played a little bit of like hardcore uh, as well, like a tad bit of like hardcore punk, but mostly just ran by a bunch of like incel ass metalheads, and that really <laughs> expended my knowledge on you know subgenres in general. And then from there, it was, um, I think, Revolver Magazine is what I would read to discover other bands. And, okay. Um, that eventually led me to attending DIY shows uh, in San Diego when I was a teenager. And that, you know, when, from there, I was able to dig even deeper and discover power violence bands and power violence in general. But actually, I take that back. The way I discovered power violence is I wanted to see if a if Neanderthal, that name was taken, and then I, of course, I, <laughs> no Neanderthal, way. for some reason, had a MySpace. And, yeah. So, that's how I discovered Powerballs. Dude. I think I was like, I had it in 16 when I first heard that Neanderthal record. So, it was completely random. But, wow. uh, yeah. Dude, mm-hmm. dude, that's so sick. Especially, I, I, like, first of all, Neanderthal, just a perfect band name. So, I, of course, I understand why you were trying to find out if it was one already. But, like, Knowing, uh-huh. knowing that you found it that organically is fucking mind blowing. Like, like yeah, uh-huh. dude, like, <laughs> dude, oh man, and, and and also it had to be such like a, a like a, a, a like a I guess a warm feeling knowing that that name is so badass and it's associated with a, a badass band. Like it's already like oh shit, like I was gonna make music in the same like like just make music under this like moniker. And then you find out that, that a band already exists that sounds fucking gnarly under that name. That that's so dope, dude. Yeah, it was uh, it was completely happenstance. So, and then you know, eventually, of course, I would discover um, like Spaz and Charles Bronson through Hell like yeah. friends as I got older. But uh, and uh, there's other like power violence bands around local bands. There's one called Impulse, who's clearly influenced by Infest, which led me to discovering Infest. Hell yeah. And those kids are still pretty active uh, with other bands nowadays. Uh, I remember there's a band, I think from the East Coast in general, called Surf Nazis on Ecstasy. (laughs) 
they're like a fast core van that was pretty cool that i had discovered at the time um of course agora fork nosebleed was a little experimental on the power violence side a little bit with yeah. their uh domestic power violence album and stuff in general uh and then there's just like all the shitty myspace grind bands that some have aged well but some haven't but yeah <laughs> yeah dude no no trust me like i know what you mean and like because like low like when i found uh power violence like like what uh, a band that's local to my my scene is Life <clears throat> Refusal and they're fucking gnarly and like and then also I then I met the Fissure dudes which I love that band also and then uh, mm -hmm. like uh, but yeah when they introduced me to Spaz like I had like like thought of playing like blast beats and stuff but like that my the dude from the vocalist of Life Refusal was like yo Spaz is like so sick and like the blast beats are like where he does like kicks on like one and four instead of like constantly doing them he was like it's fucking like juxtaposed to the sound and it fucking makes everything sound weird and I love playing like that and like yeah so like Spaz is such a huge like they're fucking amazing dude yeah Max Ward's a really sweet guy too super nice oh that's dope dude yeah absolute sweetheart um I think he's in Japan right now. Uh, we're supposed to do a release on 65 Thrash, but it's just been taking forever. And then everyone's just dreading, you know, the wait time for vinyls. Dude, so it's yeah. ridiculous. Man. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, dude. Like, and then like, like going back to like when you said you discovered your brother's rage, like CD or tape. I, I can't remember if you said that, like, um, like what 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 did it feel like because like i like that seems like a, such a like a huge iconic band to like be like holy fuck i found this like what 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 went through your head when you heard it if you can remember um can you still hear me yeah okay sorry um well it was initially it was mostly aesthetic so it was the what drew me to it was like obviously the name. I was like, "Whoa, what the fuck is that name?" Yeah. And then seeing the, the kid on the cover, it was Evil Empire. Oh, okay. Staring into my soul, just like saying, "Listen to me." So I was like, <laughs> "Okay." And then I grab it, and then I open it, and I look at the artwork, and um, the inside is just like a, a a photo of a pile of books that you know they have thoroughly read. That's that I put tune together, even though I was loving that the lyrics were based on these books, and I didn't really understand them entirely yeah an uneducated point of view but i could tell it was something political something of him making a statement it was clearly like muckraking it was clearly rebellion yeah. um clearly just standing up you know against the man yeah <laughs> like, that's what the rage is i'm like oh i am rage. they are the machine <laughs> all that stupid shit. But, uh, and then of course when i put it on it was just so noisy and it was also very groovy and zach's voice angry and you know, at the time, I was still kind of like, you, you, you know, you know, used to mostly like Limp Bizkit. So it met me in the middle there. And it also met me in the middle with like hip hop in general. Yeah. Uh, so I just remember feeling like this is dangerous. No, I felt like it was illegal to put out music like that. Oh, dude, that's so <laughs> and dope. That, uh, it, uh, you know, it, I adopted it into my personality. Like, uh, you know, my binder was just covered in nothing but Zach De La Roca pictures and Rage Against the Machine artwork, and uh, yeah, um, and uh, my mom couldn't really say anything against that because it wasn't satanic, so she had such a cheap <laughs> date, but uh, <laughs> it's like, well, all right, you know, she got it. She grew up in the, um, she also, she had also grown up in the 60s and 70s in 
uh, South Central LA. So she experienced a lot of racism and has a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, woke views. Yeah. So I think a part of her didn't mind me listening to it. Yeah, but you know, obviously, an eleven-year-old shouldn't be listening to very explicit uh, <laughs> yeah. music. Is that? But she's like, "Fuck it, we're here already." So, <laughs> that, that's fucking awesome, yeah. dude. And dude, and then also, like, you said that you were break dancing back then. What? What? Like, dude, like, how did you get into that? Well, I grew up in an Asian town, man. That's what the cool kids did. So yeah, man, <laughs> that's, that's sick. Dude. Like, like, so could you? T- could you? St- do you still do it, or have you ever done it since? My specialty was uh, up rocking, a little bit of groundwork, and uh, freezes. So to paint you a picture, that's you know you're kind of like you know, like shuffling in general. Um, that's like up rocking, kind of like standing dancing, and then groundwork would be. Uh, or ground shuffling. Uh, I don't know how to paint that picture. It looks like a guy playing Dance Dance Revolution with his hands and feet. Okay. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> that's the groundwork. And then freezes is like where I'm literally just standing on one hand and striking the pose. And the only power move I have, so power moves would be like head spins and air flares. And the only one I had down, I think it was called like Cricket, which is a cousin of the crab, but it's a single hand. Or is it called a hand glider? Shit. But it's a badass move. Dude, <laughs> there was, I only have that one now. <laughs> Dude, that's I, so I, sick. I was still young, you know. Yeah, I was still young when muscles hadn't developed, so I couldn't like get down the crazier stuff. And like at that point, I, st- I started focusing on music. So yeah, uh, Dude, that's... didn't pursue my break dancing any further. I still think about it though. <laughs> that's sick, dude. And then, okay, so like you said, you went with music. What was your first instrument then? It was a guitar, actually. Um, when I was a kid, my siblings played wind instruments, so, you know, like flute and trumpet, and they're okay. in band. And I was like, I want to do orchestra, because I thought violins are cool, but my parents couldn't afford a violin. So instead, uh, my grandmother gave me her guitar. And, oh, um, Yeah, but I don't think she gave me a guitar based on that. I think she just saw that I was clearly, like, a very inquisitive child. Yeah. Um, I was a kid that would just build intricate Lego stuff and Hell yeah. would be playing with a Rubik's Cube. Not that I ever saw that as a kid, but I was like really, you know, trying to like figure that out. You yeah. know, yeah. those are my interests as a child, as like a toddler more so. So that, I think that's why she gave me her guitar. And uh, I took a little bit of guitar lessons and uh, I played one gig. I call it a gig. It was like a Christmas pageant at the church. Uh, my parents would have a schedule and uh, I fucked up Silent Night, I think was the song. <laughs> And I was just like, man, fuck this. And I just <laughs> failed in front of 15 people dropping this shit. Uh, and then jump six years later. No, four years later. I think I was like seven or eight. So jump like four or five years later. Um, uh, this dude showed up to my house that my sister was interested in. And he played guitar. And I was like, damn, that's cool. So it made me want to start playing guitar again. And uh yeah, um, I was just sitting there listening to my System of Down records and learning that with a fucking nylon guitar. Wow! Oh my and, god, uh, dude! <laughs> yeah. And then, in addition to that, my father was a drummer and he had an electric kit. So, in addition to learning System of Down System of Down songs on guitars, learning them on drums by ear on that electric kit, which I could play like twenty four, like seven. So, <laughs> dude, that's something so I really dumb. developed. Mm-hmm. That's when I developed most of my uh, my muscle memory for drums and guitar. I can still play guitar pretty decently too. Um, 
like I was on a fucking nylon guitar with steel strings on it to get more high end, like doing fucking nasty dime bag girl ass like pinch harmonics on that thing. So dude, yeah. what? <laughs> That's ridiculous. I just like tremolo picking. I saw the muscle muscle memory for tremolo picking too, and um basic arpeggios, just like the I forgot what that mode that is. Uh I never you know, I was mostly by ear, but uh yeah, you know. Uh, it's uh it was a metalhead thing back in there for me so shred him <laughs> <laughs> dude that's sick like uh, just to like to do <laughs> to do that on a nylon is like ridiculous like that's that's so, so we had sick. out here baby <laughs> i was like that's all we got out here so that oh, make it work so you you said you uh so did you grow up like where wait where did you grow up then you were said you, were, you grew up in like an asian town like were you saying like or, or i think that's what you said uh like where yeah, yeah. Where, where did you grow up then called mira mesa it's right outside of miramar which is called fighter town which is known for where top gun was filmed oh what really yeah 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 <laughs> that's awesome it's like right next to it like i could i worked off of miramar base uh, now we're also worked on miramar base i forgot about that i was a barista um yeah Jeez. Was, uh, I had to actually skate eight miles back and forth from my house to the gas station I worked at when I was Whoa. a kid. Um, uh, that was uh, off Miramar Road, like towards the end. And um, yeah, that shit sucked ass. So uh, to motivate me to do that, I would listen to Clocked In from Black Flag. And that's why I got this tattoo. One day I got off work and I was like, just you never get get off work and you just get a hate tattoo because you're so pissed off. That's what it, that's what it was. <laughs> dude that's insane yeah i was before people considered black flag cringe so yeah but i don't give a fuck <laughs> dude <laughs> i'm you not know, gonna cover it up no no ex- <laughs> dude like that's like that's a band that the only thing i've ever really listened to is uh, like the henry like i started listening to the henry rollins like uh, what was that thing where he just was like talking about all his like touring or sh- and shit like his like book or whatever memoirs or whatever the fuck like i've only ever heard like i think it's called get in the van yes yeah i, I i've heard like yeah. the beginning of that and like i've heard like a, cu- a, a a couple of black flag songs which are cool but i just never like t- taken a dive into them just listen to uh, just listen to uh everything went black okay it's a it's a compilation of all their vocalists. I think they might have a little bit of Henry Rollins. I don't really remember, but uh, I know it just has um, basically it's literally like the first four years of Black Flag because they've been through so many vocalists. Henry Rollins is the worst. That's just my opinion. I don't really give. A fuck. <laughs> Wait, you said he's the, he's what? Uh, he's the blackest one. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's just that's one person. So, like, no disrespect to Henry Rollins. But uh, yeah, he's just not the he's not my vibe. Um, uh, he only did damage with him, and at that point, damage was already stuff previously written to Henry Rollins being adopted by the band, and he only did helped contribute to one of the songs on that record. Oh, and then wow. after, just no, very experimental and very different from the hard punk that black flag started out as damn dude that, that that's, you know that's, that's one yeah because about like 82 83 hardcore punk just kind of took a different direction and um you know wasn't all the all the old head all the kids 
that started it in like the late seventies, which is like seventy nine and eighty, you know, had evolved into being actually good musicians. <laughs> and then I just, you know, things changing. TSOL had no original members and was the butt rock band, um, you know, and yeah, things different. Bad Religion put out a world record, the worst record <laughs> of all time. Um, that I can't even think of the name of what that one is. So, yeah. Yeah. Just listen to, so to, to summarize, just listen to old Black Flag. Just put on, um, um, nervous breakdown. Put on the nervous breakdown EP. Okay, and Sick. make an assessment from there. Okay. Uh, Jealous skin is pretty great too. Watch uh, their little segment on the decline of Western civilization with that has Chavo Reyes on vocals, and then of course uh, Des Cadena, which is one of their original guitarists, and uh, became the second guitarist. I think again uh, once Henry Rollins joined the band, he was a uh, the second vocalist, and that's clearly where Henry Rollins got his influence. Oh damn! Or okay. the or his vocalist style in Black Flag. Dude, that that's that's okay. So sick. Like then, I, I'm definitely gonna listen to that. Like that, dude. <laughs> that's dude. That sounds like again. Like, thank you for like pointing me in the right direction because I've I I know a lot of people that have listened to that like that right re- like those records but i just have never like really like been like okay i need to listen to this now like so okay cool then i'm gonna throw on the nervous breakdown like as soon as i can because like i've always wanted to because like yeah everyone has that tattoo and like i and i've never understood why and like now i just need to figure it out <laughs> well i was just young you know exactly yeah <laughs> dude i was like- young and i got it <laughs> Uh, I can't take it back, but I got it. I was like, "Oh, I'm getting this." So I can remind my old stuff to never forget where he came from, and uh, <laughs> it's true. It works. Yeah, I'm looking. I just scare my young, stupid, sneering twenty-year-old self. Then don't forget where you came from, you know. And, uh, yeah, so it works, dude. I love that. An asshole. I love that it has that meaning behind it. That's <laughs> that's so funny, dude. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude well, I was still uh, but yeah every stereotype and Keith Morris didn't make it even better for himself it's all good <laughs> dude dude it's all good <laughs> it also didn't help that after Robin committed suicide Henry Rollins decided to go on his blog and say he was selfish so that didn't help him at all Oh yeah, that doesn't sound like it would help him at all. Damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I> didn't. <laughs> he immediately regretted it and took it down and apologized. So, yeah, what a fucking idiot. But how like, the hell are you gonna be that old and do stupid shit like that? Yeah, like that. That's like literally like some like high school kid like trying to get like a rise out of like everyone, and it's just like, dude, you have a platform that everyone is literally looking at you twenty four seven, and like you're gonna say that, like, dude. If you have that thought, just keep it in your head, man. Like, that's fucking, like, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, he's just what would happen if Danzig was tall. So, yeah, that's all we got. That's just Henry Rollins. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> like He's an unhinged Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he would love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> dude, and then all oh, dude, I, what I wanted to like uh talk to you about, I saw like on the 
like Hong Kong's uh, Instagram, the uh, the Paradox pedal, dude. That fuck, dude. That thing sounds insane. I love, I love like noisy pedals like that. Like, there's a company that yeah. I, I love buying from is Montreal Assembly. Like, I love their shit. And like hearing that Paradox was like, oh my god, dude. Like, so did, I think it said like, are they local or something like that? Because they sounded that I I want that. Yeah, um, they do sell them online, though, so okay. I would hop on it. You can see plenty on Reverb. If you can, try to find an original model that was uh, made, I think they reissued it in 2019. Okay. But try to find one. The oscillators on them sound better. Oh, okay, okay, cool. My bandmate destroyed mine when he plugged in a 12-volt adapter into it, having no idea, because he was a noob, and... Uh, so I had to get a new one, and uh, but no, they're fucking amazing. Um, the new one is what you hear, I okay. believe, in that video. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's a really disgusting uh, fuzz distortion. Yeah, and uh, it has an overdrive on it as well. And when you switch the mode, that's when the the oscillator turns on. It's a uh, uh, I don't think it's so- square tooth. It's a square tooth oscillator. Okay. Oh, um, sick. Yeah, it, it's fucking disgusting. And, uh, yeah. Um, it's also has a built-in noise gate, so you can really have clean pauses on it. And that was, like, the basis of Hong Kong's tones in the beginning. We, all the old albums were just recorded with just that. Damn, dude. Okay, well, that makes sense. Like, like that, oh, dude. Uh, that that's I, I love that and also knowing that it has a built-in noise gate is even more sick because then it's gonna like not like it won't have that i don't dude i don't that it, it just sounded so sick and like i am so glad to I, I i'm definitely gonna check it out because i i probably need one like they sound so fucking dope yeah they're great uh really good for bass uh for guitar it's not too shabby either the only downside of it was that it's you get what you get. So um, you can't really, in terms of the distortion, Yeah. Uh, you can't like control the distortion. Oh, okay. crank monster, which is, uh, if that's what you want, then perfect. Okay, sick, dude, because... But uh, ironically, even then, that wasn't like enough. So I, I eventually withdrew <laughs> it into a parallel mixer with a, a HM2. Nice. And uh, <laughs> a Bot HM2 and... Uh, to really just get more out of it and then add just a little bit more distortion on the on the head that I was working with. Um and but all three of those signals would be parallel because it's a signal mix. Yeah, it was just really cool, unique tone shaping that I got out of that parallel mixer that made it all work. And I used that on third world finding music. Damn, yeah, dude. Okay, sick. Okay, because now now I'm gonna like specifically like listen for that because like i i just love that shit so much yeah the first cp is just purely those just purely that three of those <laughs> damn dude. um yeah there's three of those with slightly different tones yeah dude that's it was fucking it was fucking disgusting honestly <laughs> i wish i could go back to that but uh hong kong really cool do you know who wanted to evolve from that? Because that, that, that record was great, but if every record sounded like that, there would be no distinguishing a single pitch. Unless yeah. you had perfect pitch. <laughs> exactly. That, no, that totally makes sense, dude. Like, dude. Which is cool. I like that. Like, Holy Grinder, for example. I fucking love that shit. <laughs> uh, just 
drum and bass power violence in general is you can't you most of the time you can't distinguish a pitch yeah it's just a wall sound and that's the whole point yeah exactly dude and which like of course i i love that i that that's super sick but like yeah like what you're going for is like dude i i love what you're going for like if you just did that then exactly like you said it best like there's no way else i could say it better like it's that's perfect Mm -hmm. yeah there's no right or wrong way to do it just your way dude oh i like that dude that's so perfect (laughs) like um Uh Dude, and then also like what I what when I went on your Bandcamp, I saw that you like that for the first thing you guys like put out was the tour EP, and was that just because you wanted to start touring and you were just like, oh okay, like let's just fucking write music and let let's go play. That's fucking exactly what it was. So <laughs> sick. Um, it was like, oh, we're gonna go on tour. We need to have some music out. Yeah. So um, at least by tour because we're gonna tour with absolutely nothing for them to remember us by. Yeah, see us is just a horrible move. So we recorded a full EP, but unfortunately, uh, the producer, he was just, uh, he's talented, really great. We recorded it in a fucking bedroom. And, um, and that, to me, it's still one of the better sounding recordings that we've ever done. Uh, but point being, he was just would lag so fucking hard. And we had, I had to like just straight up emotionally abuse him. <laughs> like, get us. <laughs> So at least have four songs, and I told him, hey "Guys, this will just be a tour EP. That's it. Just uh, specifically like a tour promo. And then when we come back, we can put the rest out all together, remaster these four songs, and then uh, remix and remaster everything, so it's consistent and put it all out." But that guy just disappeared, and I, I've been messaging him for years to at least get those files. Yeah, so that. I could re-release him and remix him, and there's nothing, nothing. So I literally had to buy waves from fucking YouTube of that EP. What? And then from there, we're able to mix it and then add in additional things that were lost in the mix on top of that, which is just a little bit of vocals. So, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's ridiculous. So, like... <laughs> I was like, this is what we're resorting to. And then make the make that even worse i go to a show and he's uh yeah what the show is that i think i forgot who i was watching it wasn't me playing the show that's all that matters so i just go to a show and i ran in, i run into him i was like is that you jonas he goes yeah dude i was like what the fuck <laughs> i'm trying to get a hold of you for like in five years and he's like oh yeah 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 i'm gonna get uh, i just sent those files to maga which is the old band man i was like I was like, dude, that guy's been kicked out of the band for like since like day one. <laughs> so like, oh <laughs> uh, okay. He goes, yeah, just let me know. I'll send it to you. I was like, don't even waste my time. And I was being as, as his friend. I was like, don't even waste my time. If you're not gonna send it, but it's cool seeing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna send it. <laughs> Good to see you alive. Exactly, Good dude. <laughs> I really wish you would have a shit together because I would well, I hadn't even recorded him yet. Damn, dude, that's a bummer, man. Like that that would be oh, that sucks. That's all good. That's all yeah. good. Dude, dude, I like there was uh cuz I was listening to your stuff like and then like on uh Kill a Skinhead like I, there was like one like layer of vocals that sound like what I could think it sounds like it was like recorded like through a pool hose or something like it sounded fucking like 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 either like reverbed out or something like that it sounded fucking cool i just didn't know what it was um i use uh just chorus that's pretty much it oh okay and, that makes um, sense um 
<laughs> and the ta- the slightest bit of delay, so it's just feedback. I'm um, sorry, slapback. Oh, okay. And uh, so slapback, of course. And um, I do this other technique where in the studio where I l- take the same stem uh, of the vocal, the same exact stem, and then place it next to it and then slightly set it off. So it's like a, almost like a manually placed yeah, the, uh, yeah. slap back and that has like a kind of a robotic sound to it yes because at the end of the day i, I just really love industrial vocals yeah oh, like yeah. uh rob zombies the industrial vocals like i think more common people understand al jorgensen from ministry and marilyn manson did it a little bit too and like, you know fuck that guy's canceled um uh little john did it greatly yin yang twins did it um <laughs> Honestly, Lil John was like the, the main thing of it. So I was like, damn, Lil John's vocals go fucking hard. I was like, it, it, it sounds so sick in a band. <laughs> That's so sick. Um, bands, uh, I think OTAP, yeah, she used it back in the day. Or, you know, they, them, whatever. I don't know what they are. But, uh, yeah. Um, so that's what that's the whole point of having that. So live, I use a chorus pedal, just a guitar pedal with a quarter inch to xlr adapters and it goes straight into the mixer from there hell yeah dude dude uh, we do the same shit like uh my brother uses i i we love like the idea of just having like weird fucking effects on vocals like that shit's just dope like like throwing anything like on vocals just sounds ridiculous and but so like yeah dude i love that idea so much and like yeah okay so yeah that, it's that an sense. element that's like slept on yeah exactly dude Dude, I, I, on. it really is. And I feel like it's something that's like so simple to do. And like, dude, like you, you, everyone has a guitar pedal. Like, dude, like, you know, you probably have a DS one and like you, you could just th- run through it and be like, oh, my vocals sound even like crazier now. Like, I, I don't know. It just fucking, and, or you could like even like emphasize a certain part. It, I don't know. It's just fucking sick. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I've been trying to emulate um, time stretching, how to do that live. And I figured that you can do that with the granular delay. Oh, um, sick. But the, my interest in that was actually the Matrix when uh, Neo <laughs> does his first jump and he's like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool, the song. And I use that as an intro for one of our songs. But, um, I just want to do that live, and I've been trying to put down the rig together to make that sound just like that. It's slowly getting there. <laughs> oh, dude, that'll be sick! Because like, like even like, like in the middle of a song, you could eat. Oh, dude, that could be such a fucking gnarly thing to put in. Oh, I, that's such yeah. a cool. Oh, that's. Oh my god, that sounds. That's such a good idea. Yeah, so I know unless that's interested in that, it's called. It's commonly known as time stretching. Okay, and then if you want to look into specifically what that would, how to achieve that, and uh, effects that are similar to that uh, with pedals, it would be granular delay. Okay, heck yeah, mm-hmm. dude, that's sick. Like, okay, thank you because that's so dope. I, I like it's funny. Like, I didn't know I needed that until you just said it because, like, I anything like that you could. Oh my god, and like especially if you can like you could probably slow it down mid like scream or vocal or whatever the fuck. And like, you could like keep dragging it out. Like, like I would, whatever, what makes me think of that is like the locust, like, like just them, how they would 
be like annoying to every crowd because they would just like let their shit ring out and like people would hate them like and i i love that about that yeah um justin was telling me when they toured at the NGWK, you know obviously they're gonna play for a different demographic every night i think yeah. they're in australia <laughs> i think it was in australia and they just did their and just did noise for like 30 minutes straight until they got booed off the stage. They even like play anything to just sit still, find harsh noise. Dude, that- and then, um, <laughs> they had this other band called, uh, it's called some girls. Yeah. Some girls. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some girls. I promoted some girls. Yeah, dude, they're awesome. That's another Justin Pearson band. Yeah. Uh, he plays bass in that one. So some girls, they have this song called death face. And yes. The outro is just them shouting. Hey, and, Sometimes at shows, they'd only play that song, but just play it the whole time until they get booed off stage. Just the hey part. No way. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's super. Dude, I love I think that. Oh. I think that's this Australian story. Uh, they're, one of their second guitarists, Nathan Lee Joyner, told me that. A really amazing guy. Super sweetheart. Uh, he was a guitarist in All Other and Hot uh, Nerds and currently. Oh, damn. With, um, what's his name? Uh, the vocalist from uh Airborne Radar, uh, that band is called right now is called uh Oh, I know what you're talking about. Psychic Graveyard, that's the name of that. Band. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's dude. I see I I love that. I like that the, the fact that like you know that you know people are gonna hate you, why not make them hate you even more? <laughs> oh yeah. That's the best. I, I mean it's just like a prank. It's like a, some Andy Kaufman type shit. <laughs> it really there. is. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I love stuff like that, <laughs> dude. It's so, it, dude. I, I, me too. Like, I love seeing people do that because, first of all, like to have like the 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 wherewithal or like balls to do that is gonna be like. First of all, I, I, I imagine like you you go there to see that band and they play just that the, like Death Face and just say that for like twenty five to thirty minutes. You're gonna like you could you could be the like, same oh, repetitive riff, dude. <laughs> I'm just listening. It's just a repetitive. And they just shout, hey, hey. So it's just that for 20 minutes straight. Dude, so many oh, people man. probably like will walk away from that being like, fuck that. Or like, or then you have that other person that, that's like, dude, that's so sick. I can't believe they actually did it. Like, I I, I love that. Yeah. So that's such a good, that's again, like you said, it's a prank, dude. It's like just, <laughs> dude, I love that. That's so fucking dope. That situation was just a genuine fuck you. They, they read the crowd. They're like, there's a bunch of noise. They're going to hate so yeah <laughs> dude like okay like like have you guys ever done anything like that i try to remember um we do that on our records so <laughs> side b are not our records are cassettes side b of uh, one cassette is like this interlude that i've made where it's just like uh me singing all high pitched to girl from Ipana, but i'm just singing hong kong lyrics about fucking in the ass <laughs> and the ear hole and the it just sounds like a, like a bossa nova like jingle you'd be hearing when you're on the elevator and we just <laughs> turn that into a six minute loop for side beef <laughs> and then for the killer skinhead uh side that we did on a split with ourselves <laughs> so we extend the outro which is like which is like uh 
it just goes kill a skinhead kill a skinhead at the end that's like the outro and that's that's only goes four bars but i think we extend it to like 68 bars or something so that's just like <laughs> that line repeating for two minutes <laughs> and then we started doing that live but more so that was a prank on one of our bandmates because you know when you hear it on like on streaming services and online it's you know it's just four bars for the outro but we didn't tell them and we just extended it for as long as we could humanly possibly do it and <laughs> We didn't get him though. He just caught on. He's like, you thought y'all thought you had me, but you didn't. But yeah. Damn, dude. Like, like I've done that. We've like my band's done that at practices. Like, we always like I'll, I'll like link up with like the guitarist or bassist and be like, just keep going. And then like and like eventually they'll just be like, what the fuck's going on? And like, dude, that's just knowing, especially that you've done it live to another member is so genius. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, those little things we like playing like noise core songs which are basically like one second songs and but we would i would give them song titles i would make up the song titles on the spot and make sure the song title was like would take up 25 seconds to say the whole thing so a paragraph song title and then it's just done in like a second <laughs> a little stupid shit like that dude but like i don't know that's so cool i and also like it's it's to me it adds like another level of like to your band like that like like I don't know if, if, if what you're going for is comedy, but like, that's fucking hilarious. Like knowing that, like you just said that and like, it's like, wait, wait, the song's over. Like th that's, that's so funny. And that, that would make me want to see you guys even more just because it's like, dude, what are they going to do next time? I fucking love that so much. Hmm. Oh, I think one of the, uh, the other things that we usually do, um, at least my old band, man, when we play another fucking day in paradise, there's like a, a short interlude where everything pauses and you just hear this sixteenth uh, note of a natural fret hand harmonic, yeah, or just a fret hand harmonic. It's like dun 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 dun. And at uh, one show, I just during that part, it's like a pause, and he does it as long as we kind of improvise that. And what for that part, one show, I just walked off stage, went outside, took a piss, drank some water, <laughs> came back in, stretched, and then started finally continuing the song. And I think I dragged that out into like three minutes or four minutes. <laughs> And he was like so pissed because he's like his arms just dying because oh. he's getting that note and it's all fucking downstrokes. Oh, so, dude, yeah. that sucks! I was about to say, is it downstrokes too? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Just we do things in the heat of the moment, and sometimes it sticks. Dude, no, that's like, it was awesome. a period where I was barfing like four or five shows in a row back to back because uh, it was just overwhelming. Because <laughs> uh, I think it was my first time playing uh, the full set, like our entire discography, yeah, you know, which is extended into like twenty five minutes. And Jeez. I was mostly drumming that entire time. I, that was before I started splitting it in half with another drummer. Hell yeah! And I would just throw up at every fucking show, and it became like a theme of our band and people would ask me to barf in their mouth and it's wait what's really? that done it's fucking yeah it's fucking disgusting but <laughs> dude, dude, the, the, the fact I, I love the fact that you say it's disgusting but you still did it <laughs> yeah and that out it's just yeah i don't know it's gross that's i dude it's the first time gross. wasn't on purpose so i was just stirring up and then someone's like you peeked in my mouth and i was like oh sorry he goes no i like it I'm like oh Oh, God. And everyone online telling me to keep them out. I'm just like, do this. Fuck it. You want it? You got it. Dude, hey, hey, exactly. Like, like I'm not using it. You can have it. Like, <laughs> dude. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
dude, that's so awesome. Oh, so, uh, but I'm willing to do it. Yeah. I'm willing to do it, baby. <laughs> dude, that's fucking sick, man. Like, holy fuck, dude. Like, um, dude, okay, so I have two more questions for you. Um, so, um, this is a weird one I like to ask everyone, but if your band was a TV show or a movie, what would it be? question we're a tv show or that what would it be uh, uh. <laughs> yeah that's really good <laughs> mm. there's so many fucking characters uh, i think it would be like a combination uh like genuinely a combination of metalocalypse and uh, and Spinal Tap. I really can't think of anything <laughs> else I could pretend to. That's dude. I, I I'm glad. I, I like the idea that like I've never had anyone combined a TV a TV show and a movie. So that's like that's a first. That's yeah. fucking that's awesome, man. <laughs> it's like literally those two. Oh god, it's so bad. Just <laughs> Spinal Tap with the endless rotating members. I think they even have two bases. Oh, yeah. that. And then Metal Ocalypse are just the ridiculous nature of the antics that go on. Oh, God. I'd say Jackass, too. I'd throw in Jackass <laughs> in the mix. That's awesome. <laughs> Some guy was asking me my favorite thing about tour, and I hate to only honestly tell him, like, piss jugs, as in the communal piss jug when you're in the tour dance, because um, that's when I would just drop my pants like a two-year-old using the potty. Wait. In front of because I just didn't give a fuck and doing it in front, of, like not in front of cars, but you know, like avoiding yeah. cars, seeing my dick, yeah, stuff like that, and then opening the window to wave my dick in the wind to shake it off. What the Amazing on the freeway. But so my whole point is when I said that is it's just the antics that I go on with the band. It's just so funny. Me and Eric will just run around naked in the hotel room, not giving a shit. And the guys at this point are just desensitized to it. Though. I could just walk around naked the whole time. I'm not going to do that, but uh, I could. Dude, I wouldn't give a fuck. So, like, dude, like, well, that that brings up like, like I was get, like that brings up another like question. I was thinking like, like, so would you guys would you guys randomly play shows naked also? That was just me, yeah. <laughs> dude. Like, what? I used to do that. What made you do that? Like, I, I wanted. Like, you were just like, was it just too hot, or were you just like, I'm doing this? Oh, I was just like, I'm doing this. That's it. Uh, well, my first band, long. Well, my first power bond band for so was called Pity Fucker, and um, I was my neighbor that growing up with, and uh, we just joke around like, let's start like band. That's basically a, a lesbian anal cunt because she's a lesbian <laughs> or they're a lesbian there now. And uh, we got another member and yeah, it was just literally a, a, a gay anal cunt mixed <laughs> with, um, what was that one band? Oh, oh, mixed with like Pussy Rat, but when Pussy Rat was actually like a shitty punk band back in the day. <laughs> and uh, that's what we did. We played butt naked in Ski Mask. It was like a prank. It was like the ultimate prank. Uh, so we'd jump, jump and be like, damn. They would think they'd get one thing, but no, boom, surprise, he has this naked band of, like, brown people <laughs> playing the worst sounding, like, grind core, well, grind violence shit you'd ever heard. And that's uh, pretty much what established me in the West Coast. <laughs> Dude, no way. Um, 
And it was such a non-functionable, like, real true blue shitty Power Alliance band that we only had a single out. And we recorded it, but we never put it out. And we did one tour, and then we just, like, quit. <laughs> and I was, like, I was, like, big at its time, uh, honestly. And that put, like, my name on the map. And uh, for a while, when you would Google Titty Fucker, I was the number one image on Google. Uh, I might be, like, <laughs> top 50 now. No way! <laughs> One full word, titty fucker. It was just a photo of me drumming naked with the ski mask on. Still might be up there. Still might be up there. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so yeah. sick. But anywho, so because of that, like people who, who, who'd been around, because this was like 2012, mm-hmm. um, who'd been around and are still familiar with me because of that band, who had been following me since their band, would expect me to get naked. So yeah. Um, so the last time I got naked at a Hong Kong fuck you show, I think it's when we played with Machine Girl in LA. And it was like, at that time, that was going to be our biggest show. I was like, I'm going to play Nikita. Just fuck it. This was like a huge capacity venue. And uh, I did. And uh, the owners didn't say anything. Nice. They're kind of cool with it. And then uh, I was, I learned this song to play one with Machine Girl. And Matt, the vocalist, they were like, oh, you got to do it naked. And I was like, fuck it, I'll do it naked. And uh, <laughs> so I'm drumming for this song, Naked. And um, in the middle of the song, there's like a there's a change, there's a tempo change. So me and him had to stop anyways, and uh, you know get ready for the cue and keep it on. But he took that opportunity to make it obvious that I was naked. So he had me, <laughs> he had stopped the whole show and he told the whole crowd to look at my. He's like, "This is the penis!" Like that, <laughs> standing on top of my drums. And then we continue the song. That point on. And, Ran up to me while I was playing the song. Machine Girl, but it's like uh, basically a combination of EDM and in general. Yeah. That being particularly like breakcore and gabber and and such with with live drums and uh, their drummer, awesome person, amazing drummer, uh, plays on like a Zach Hill kind of status, and uh, he uses uh, in ears with like you know just big head studio headphones. So that's how he can keep up with him. So. Getting back to the point, the owner of the venue ripped my in-ears off, and he's like, get the fuck off the stage, and like, you can't be doing this shit here, and I, I was like, in the middle of a song, I just said, I'm gonna finish this song, like, I'm sorry, <laughs> and I finished the song, and then as soon as that, I walk off, and he just tells me to put my clothes on and get the fuck out, and it started raining outside, so I'm just standing outside, under a bridge to avoid the rain, while the show wraps up, and yeah, it's very, uh, very eye-opening that I couldn't get naked at every venue <laughs> like I used to because it's not like some shitty power violence show anymore. Uh, so I haven't been doing that. I, I've, I've, uh, I probably will again, but lately it's been a lot of all-ages shows. So I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down like this. <laughs> Dude, I'm not gonna end my career just because I whipped it out at an all-ages show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. the headline says. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I get it. Because if I was at an allergy show, and I saw some full adult whip his dick out. I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> so, unfortunately for me, I didn't realize it was an all ages show that that Machine Girl show. And when I talked to the venue owner at the end, he goes, "Yeah, don't worry about it, dude. I, I didn't think anyone here was actually in the ridge, but like, you can't get naked." hey as long as it was cool at the end that's fucking awesome yeah he was cool because i had to let me back in to like you know get my money but yeah 
<laughs> dude dude okay well then like with that like the last question i wanted to ask like uh so what has been the best show you have ever played and then give me the worst show ah, that's such a tough question best show ah uh, uh, our shingro show is pretty popping um uh but i mean performance wise i i would say uh yeah, that's really hard. That's really hard to answer. You know, they're all so many shows are just so unique and amazing, and even like the shitty shows can be amazing because it's a just such like a like a badass DIY kind of energy to it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it, like, you know, a PA will go out, some of the student will break, or the show just sounds like shit. But the the energy was there, and no one really cared. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I usually call that like trained grindcore years. Like, I'll see a band play. And uh, the vocals aren't even, the PA isn't even working. And they'll be like, does it sound good? I was like, yeah, it sounded good. I got my train grind for you. I can see what you're doing. <laughs> you know, you can, just, you can just filter out the bullshit. So my point being, like, even those shows are great. But there's just some shows where, you know, there's only one circuit breaker. And <laughs> my, my boy's amps are just shutting it out. Or it's, you know, because things are getting short circuited because you're literally running three massive bass rigs. I was about to through say single that. circuit breaker. <laughs> yeah. So uh and I always like so whenever I play Vinny I make damn shit. I was like, how many circuit breakers are going through here? And if they don't know the answer to that, I'm like, all right, just take a step back and we're gonna we brought stuff. So, <laughs> so I always bring extension cables up the ass the shows. Uh and then as for the worst, which is usually those <laughs> um, <laughs> Those cases, uh, man, I can't think. <laughs> That's really hard. I'll say one of the best shows I've ever played, though. Actually, I know the answer to that. That was with Titty Fucker <laughs> back in the day. Oh, no way. And it was uh, in Bacoima, and it was a sold out house show, which you never think would happen because it's a house, right? But no, it was yeah. so ridiculous. That shit sold out. They wouldn't let anyone else in. There was a certain point during our set where the owners of the house turned the power out because cops are growing by because there's a shooting and there's a helicopter flashing right on me. And it was just fucking pure chaos. My drum set kept getting knocked over. I didn't give a fuck. Down. People were crowd surfing out of trees. <laughs> that shit was insane. That's like, that's some real punk shit. Not that I claim to be punk, but you know, that's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a vibe. Dude, that's fucking gnarly, dude. Especially, especially because we're naked. On top of all that, oh my god, there's another show like that. Okay, the craziest the one though was Titty Titty back in the day, and we're playing like an abandoned house in Chula Vista, and it gets rolled on by fuck ten of cops, and I was like, holy shit, because I was like a kid at the time, twenty two, twenty three at the time. I was really, really young. Yeah. Um, where you could get away with shit like that. So, and the cops pull up, and I'm like, holy shit, there's like a bunch of people here drinking. It's like, these are underage drinkers. I'm butt ass naked. My bandmates are butt ass naked. We're fucked. And apparently, according to my friend, the cop just looked at him and said, hey, you don't see shit like this anymore. And just escorted everyone out. So that was kind of fucking ridiculous. What? Because like, <laughs> I thought I was done for. Yeah. Like, holy shit. <laughs> So, uh, I'm gonna become a sex offender today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! Worst thing ever. 
<laughs> Dude. Oh, God. You just slapped. There was so many tickets. It's like, just but no, they didn't give a shit. Dude, that's... And then that... Yeah. And then that does lead now to the worst show ever possible. I got the answer <laughs> to that. I, and I will know that this is the worst show possible to answer that question from now on. Is when my fucking... My other band is called Basuko. And the, the first guitarist in that band was like, let's do a show in the stores. I'm like, all right. And he shows us a spot. And the first thing about it that's horrible is he didn't want to cut the chain link fence to, so that we could drive our stuff to the, through the path to uh, drop off all the gear. Yeah. And because that path was like over a quarter mile, might have been a half mile path. And I had to carry so much gear that half mile path. And this was like during summer, so there's so many fucking mosquitoes in that field. But I'm like, whatever, deal with it. <laughs> you carry like after two hours you've carried managed to carry all the fucking gear into that sewer. Uh the first band goes on, which was uh my old band, Pessimista. Yeah, I played three. I was supposed to play three uh bands that night to make it even worse. Um, <laughs> Dude. Our set was great. That was our first show. And then the second band, Rival Squad, goes on. And, you know, it's, you're supposed to have, like, grindcore, like, DIY show etiquette. Like, keep it down to 15 minutes for fuck's sake. But no, they extend their set to 30 fucking minutes. Whoa. Which is just, it's kind of like, you know, it's just not good etiquette. I'm not saying they're bad and I don't want them for 30 minutes, but uh, it's just bad etiquette. Yeah, um, seriously. So, and to make that even worse, during their 30-minute set, it gets rolled on by the most amount of cops I've ever seen. In the like one area, like ever in my entire life, but there's <laughs> seriously like 40 squad cars that are so many fucking cops. I rolled that shit early, and it was so early, and I felt bad because so many people had driven like out of state or you know just miles away, at least like LA at the in, at the shortest distance away to come see us. And Hong Kong didn't even play that shit though because it got rolled on. Um, we got lucky and relocated it to a random spot that a fan was like, go play my house. But still, just all that effort carrying that shit just for it to get rolled on. <laughs> because two dipshits decided they're going to have a fight at the very entrance and burn out the entire show. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's what I learned lesson that, uh, you know, free shows are just kind of unhinged, uh, you know, yeah. because we did a story show. Uh, and San Diego. But prior to that, that was like really great. There's like 300 people there. It was particularly it was nice. That was great for San Diego. And then, so then it kind of became popular after that. And that shit kind of went, you know, kind of viral for San Diego scene. And uh, give it, I think it was like maybe three or four or five months later that when we're doing this with our, with our, with the new spot. And, uh, every, and we even tried to gatekeep it and keep it too minimal. Because yeah. we knew it was going to go out of hand. And within the first hour and a half, there was already 300 people there. So it could have gone ridiculously high higher from that point on. And that attracted a lot of weird people, you know, because you got a free show. You're going to, I don't know, you're just going to attract very weird people when it's a free show. It's just, yeah. It's just how it goes, you know. And uh, people that don't know how to act, obviously, because they're just fucking, a lot of normies are going to that shit. Uh, yeah, free shows, you just, Sometimes you just can't do it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You can't. It, it's too much uh, chaos. Unless you have a cool uh, security team, but uh, you know, that makes sense. Why uh, big festivals run away the things they do? Because if you don't, then you have Woodstock '99. 
<laughs> we have Dead City Punks in Oakland, which was about a year and a half ago, or maybe two years ago, where they're burning down an entire homeless. So, yeah. Yep. Which they've made up for. They've made up for that. But, uh, no one forgot. <laughs> no one forgot. Never forget, man. <laughs> yeah, never forget. <laughs> dude, oh my god. Dude, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so cool. Ah, you're very welcome, man. Heck yeah, Great. dude. Yeah, dude, no, that was awesome. But okay, so what I'm gonna do is uh I'm gonna say uh a fake goodbye and then stop the recording and then talk to you right after this. Alright. Okay, goodbye. And I'm back, Shaka Bra. Sorry, that was that was way too aggressive right at the beginning. But yes, I finally did another episode, and I'm so glad because Christian was so sick. I talked to him when like when we played the No Time Fest, and he was so cool, and I got his number, and then we finally hooked it up. Like I am so glad that he hit me up to do it. I've been so lazy on this, so I apologize. I it was so much fun, so I hope I'm gonna start doing it again. I know you know not I hope I'm going to. So I like seriously, thank you, Christian, for coming on. Like, please go listen to Hong Kong Fuck You. They are ridiculous. Like Oh, they're so sick. But um it was so much fun. Christian was so f- freaking dope. So like I I had so much fun. So again, thank you, Christian, for coming on. And um to everyone that's listening, uh I I hey, hi! Hey, what's up? How have you been? Like, I this has been really cool, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. I it's 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 just so much fun to be able to talk to new people. It's it's been so sick. So thank you for listening. And guess what? If this is your first time here, nice to meet you. Handshake. If this is your second or third or hundredth time back, nice to meet you. Handshake. I again even playing field. Um, but yeah, seriously, like I will see you guys. Guess what? Next week. I hope. I don't know. I'm so sorry. But okay, have a good night, breakfast, and lunch. Bye! Hey, the voice you're listening to is Josh Matthews. That's me. The person that basically produces the show is my brother, Danny Matthews. The person that wrote the intro is Nick Riggs. It's sick! And guess what? That's it!